Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes. I am your regular host, and with me tonight, my co-host Caleb Jenks joins us from Rosebud, Texas. And tonight, uh, we are going to be talking about Christmas and paganism. And I just want everyone to know that we're doing this because we want to build up a fan base. And the easiest way to do that is to take a big old dump on Christmas because nothing goes over (laughs) with Christians in America today than taking everyone's favorite time of year and explaining its pagan origins. So we understand what we're doing here, but if you read the description to the video, we're doing this because I believe that God still hates paganism and still hates idolatry and uh, we want to go over some of the story of Christmas. So with that, Caleb, I'd like to turn it over to you, and I'd like you to please, uh, you know, start us off. Walk us through. No, you're in. You're on. I see it. Well, wait a second. No, I'm watching the video. You're not. Hold on. Let me try to hide you and bring you back in. It's counting you in. There you go. So, all right, there I am. Okay, good. Jump on in, buddy. Well, Merry Christmas. It's good to be on here, Patrick. Thank you. Yeah, this and, is. And, uh, and and just for for my sake, I'm going to say Happy Hanukkah to everyone tonight. Is the fourth night of the Festival of Lights. I don't expect anyone to know that, but <clears throat> there it is. Yeah, hey, it man, is, we're uh, waiting. Give it to us. Well, it's the uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year, mm-hmm. and I've noticed a, uh, a recent push in in America for Christ to be brought back into Christmas for people to say Merry Christmas. It's almost being fought, especially by the conservative right, as if this was um, you know kind of something that you could hang your hat on as a Christian that this is. This is a, a line that you could draw in the sand and say, as a, as a Christian, I must defend Christmas because mm-hmm. the world is assaulting Christmas. And uh, President Trump has mm-hmm. been really good about, about you know, bringing Christ back into Christmas, mentioning that. Um, mm-hmm. And churches are pretty good about promoting it uh, this time of year. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, front and center. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyways... And can I just year. say something? Can yeah, I say something, Caleb? On a positive note. I love Christmas time. I do. I love Christmas time. I the love lights, that. The... Yeah, the lights, uh, the hot chocolate, the idea that everyone fakes a smile and pretends to be nice people for a couple straight weeks. I love all of that. I love Norman Rockwell. Okay. I love the whole thing. I don't celebrate it. Okay. But I love Christmas time. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 this um, it's this time that we tell our children about. It's we send each other greeting cards and uh, um, greet one another. It seems like a fairly wholesome family time where we come together and gather around the table and share a meal together, um, sing some Christmas carols. What could possibly be wrong with defending this this holiday? It just seems like it is just the the natural thing as Christians. This is the one time when everybody's. Um, open to Christ, and you can hear Christmas songs singing about the birth of Jesus in the department stores at the mall when you're shopping for mm-hmm. your gifts that you're going to send to your grandmother. 
And um, so I figured uh, since it's a Bible thumper, we should go over the Christmas story on here in case anybody hasn't heard the Christmas story. Um, if you haven't ever received mm-hmm. a good Hallmark greeting card at Christmas time. So the story goes something like this. So in a small town in Israel, Nazareth, there was a young girl named Mary who was not married, which is very significant that Mary was not married. She was Mary, but not married. <laughs> so you got to get that part. And so an angel comes to Mary and tells her that uh, she's with child. And Mary, mm-hmm. of course, is blown away because she's married, but she's not married. So she says, behold, <laughs> hey, do you want me to bring that up two or three times? I don't know if people caught that line. No, Mary no, was not that, married. That was, okay. Oh, boy, that was a great joke. I mean, so, yeah. It's not a joke. It's a serious part of our Christian theology. Mary was, was not married. That was a great pun. <laughs> so anyways... Uh, she says that, uh, she says, you know, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, and he may do with me as he will. And she finds out that she's going to have a boy and she's going to name him Jesus. So then right before the baby's born, Mary and Joseph, who she's engaged to or betrothed to, uh, traveled to a little town called Bethlehem. And um, the the Roman emperor, Augustus, had just ordered a a census to be done so that people could pay their taxes. Because like all good Roman emperors, he wanted to make sure that he had the tax revenue coming in from Mary and Joseph. So they had to go to Bethlehem and pay their taxes. And meanwhile, she's about to have the baby. They couldn't find a a hospital room. They didn't have hospital births back then. They couldn't find a hotel room. They would have looked for a long time to find a nice, clean hospital room back then. And so they, there was no room in the inn. So they went to the uh, local stable that had a bit of straw in a manger and they had the baby and thus the beautiful story of Christmas and um, shepherds came, they saw the star all there in the, in the field with their flocks in the dead of winter. They had their flocks out on the hill in, in, in the, in the dead of winter grazing with the lambs. And they were out there with them. Apparently that was just a, an odd an odd coincidence, all the shepherds decided to take their sheep out in the middle of winter out to pasture. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember, Isn't this is you do Israel. Dead so of this is in the desert when it's freezing. Yeah. yeah. So it, exactly. Israel is in the Northern hemisphere. So Christmas time around uh, December, it would have been snowy white fields where there was no grass to graze. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently all the shepherds took their flocks out to, uh, to, to pasture that night. And um, they found out that Jesus was born. And so this is the reason for the season is Jesus. And so because of Jesus, we have joy to celebrate the season. Because of Jesus, uh, we go out and we cut down Christmas trees. We drag them into our house. Because of Jesus, we sing Christmas carols. Because of Jesus, we have Santa Claus. Sorry, you you had something you wanted to say here. Yeah, you keep saying we. Is that the royal we or are you including (laughs) Patrick in this we? Because I just want to clear that up for some of these folks so they don't get blindsided in a second. So as, as Christians, we tend to um, have a there lot of go. things that we do during this holiday season that apparently Jesus is the reason for the season. Mm-hmm. And yet we have some really odd things that we do if Jesus is the reason. So I guess I could um, let uh, 
Patrick take it from here as far as what was the, the contrasting holidays that were going on around the world before Jesus came along may mm-hmm. have something to do with the other reason for the season. And that's obviously what we're on here to talk about tonight is, is really the, the true history of Christmas, where it all came from. And is Jesus really the reason that we do many of the things that we do? Okay, so I just want to point out that Caleb dropped it on my lap to be Ebenezer Scrooge and tell you what's really going on. Okay, now, before I jump into this, I did want to bring you to to a couple spots in the Bible um, and just kind of open you up to an idea here. Because let's face it, Caleb, what you and I are talking about tonight is not a very popular topic in Christianity. And it's pretty unknown for the most part, every Christian I run into, I mean, I already am considered a weirdo by everybody that I know on earth because of my beliefs in the Bible and Jesus. But when I get into something like this, I mean, now I'm like a minority of a minority, as far as even most Christians have never even looked into it. I always make the joke about other holidays like Easter, and I say, well, what do bunnies laying uh, eggs have to do with Jesus raising from the dead? And they look at me like they've never even thought of that question before. You know, and the same thing. It's like, well, you know, what does cutting down a tree in the woods and dragging it into your house and decorating it and setting it up in your living room and then, a, you know, an old fat man in a red suit, you know, breaking and entering into your house and stealing your cookies and milk have to do with Jesus being born. And again, uh, same, same kind of looks. It, I, I've, stopped, I've stopped asking those questions. So, but <clears throat> let me bring you to a couple verses in the Bible. And to be honest with you, if you are not willing to consider these verses, then this podcast is a complete waste of time for you. You're not going to get anything out of it. So just change the channel and go to something, you know, more entertaining. So the first one I want to go to you or I want to turn with uh, or turn to with you is Second Kings chapter 17, verse 15. I'm going to read this verse here. And they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he had made with their fathers and his testimonies, which he had testified against them. And they followed vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that were round about them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. Now, in this verse, this verse is not telling me to do. How do I want to say this? Okay, is this verse telling me? not to do what the heathen do? See, it's actually not. God spent the first 14 verses of this chapter specifically telling me not to do specific things. Then in this verse, it's broad and it's broad on purpose. God reminds me that I am not to do like the heathen. So what does that command specifically cover? Well, specifically, it doesn't cover anything. Generally speaking, it could cover anything that the heathen do. So I'm not supposed to do like the heathen. And this is a strange idea for most people. See, when you read through the Old Testament, we read verse after verse, chapter after chapter, story after story about the people that surrounded the nation of Israel 
and what they did. And God went over and over and over again. Don't get married to them. Don't do this like them. Don't do that like them. You're supposed to do this instead. This is what I want you to do. This is what you shouldn't do. And he describes the heathen an awful lot. So I believe that God today feels the exact same way as he did back during when he wrote the Old Testament, when Moses crossed the Red Sea and when Joshua went into the land and all these different things. The Lord hates idolatry and paganism today just as much as he did back then. And, and that's why we look into subjects like this. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22 says, abstain from all appearance of evil. That's it. It's a very short verse, very easy to understand. And this is another verse that is open-ended. It's vague on purpose. So God left this command open so that we could apply it to whatever level of Christianity we are working towards. So this command can be applied to the lives of brand new Christians, and it can be applied to the lives of the, you know, so-called elder statesman, you know, or the Bible scholar. You can always find something in your life that appears to be evil and you can abstain from it. But God leaves it up to you and I. The only thing he tells us is that we are supposed to identify these evil things and stay away from them. Now, the idea of abstaining from all evil goes without saying. Here, we are commanded to stay away from the appearance of evil. This is a high bar for the Christian to achieve. Nonetheless, God gives us the command. Now, without accepting this principle, no amount of evidence that Caleb or I show you tonight will sway your opinion on Christmas. If you do not believe that it is our job to identify what the heathen did, what the pagans did, and stay away from those things, because God hates idolatry, so much so that he used several of the Ten Commandments to talk about it, then it's really not going to matter what we say. But before we go any further, I just want to read you one more quote and give you one more Bible verse, and then we can jump right in here. <clears throat> We're going to be dealing with a subject tonight that most of us have already formed opinions on. And let me remind you that there is a principle which is bar against all information, which is proof against all argument, and which cannot fail to keep man in everlasting ignorance. And that principle is condemnation prior to investigation. That's by Edmund Spencer. The Lord used Solomon to write something similar in Proverbs 18, 13. And he said, he that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. So I would ask everyone to get into this subject with an open mind, listen to the facts, <clears throat> and then do your own homework and make up your own mind. So I had, yeah, I had a, a verse that I that I thought since we're throwing out some Bible verses here at the beginning, um, Exodus, Exodus 34, 15 goes right along with what you were just saying. And I just thought I'd just go ahead and share this verse now. Um, this, of course, is when the, the children of Israel were being brought out from Egypt and getting ready to go into the promised land. And God told them, take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land whither thou goest lest it be a snare in the midst of thee. But ye shall destroy their altars, break their images, and cut down their groves. For thou shalt worship no other god. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god. Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go whoring after their gods, and do sacrifice unto their gods, 
and one call thee, and thou eat of his sacrifice, and thou take of their daughters unto their, thy sons, and their daughters go whoring after gods, and make thy sons go whoring after the gods. Thou shalt make thee no molten gods. The feast of unleavened bread shalt thou keep. Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread, as I commanded thee in the time of the month. And it goes on from there. Um, and here we have God saying that if we forsake his commandments and go after the, uh, the traditions of the nations around us, that it is, um, it was apparently a big enough deal that God was warning them ahead of time saying, do not do this um, because God is a jealous God. There's no room for us to worship God and bring in the traditions of the heathen around us and, uh, and partake in that. And, you know, something that is worth mentioning is that God told the Israelites, don't let your sons marry the daughters of the pagans. Don't let your daughters be given to be a wife to the pagan boys. And the reason is that they will turn your heart from following after God and you will end up following their ways. And something you must remember is that idolatry and paganism in any form, worshiping any other God other than the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was not only strictly forbidden, but it was a capital crime. It was one <clears throat> where you did not even need a trial. It was so serious <clears throat> that if you found someone with an idol set up, worshiping that idol, you were to fall upon them and kill them on the spot. It's one of the most remarkable abominations to the Lord that we find in the Bible. Okay, most so, other, I read the King James version of that, which is what I usually read. I'm not sure if this is a, an accurate translation, but almost all other translations of this verse in Exodus here, rather than, um, well, I'm going to, I'll go with the, um, I don't even like reading other, other versions. On I here, know but the, base, I the basic, when I do. <laughs> the basic English Bible says, so see that you make no agreement with the people of the land. Do not go after their gods or take part in their offerings or be guests at their feasts. And most of these talk about um, eating with them at their sacrifice or their feasts. It is specifically talking about observing the feast days of the, uh, the pagans around them oh, is what this was referring to here. Okay, so <clears throat> what I'm thinking, Caleb, is we should probably jump in to, um, <clears throat> I guess this is what I was thinking. The, the first two subjects would really be, why is Christmas on December 25th, and when was Jesus born, to kind of start right. us off, because that like, takes us down the road. Okay, so let me, <clears throat> let me start off by explaining a little bit about when Jesus was born. And this is reasonably brief. Okay. So <clears throat> there's not a single word in the scripture about the precise day of Jesus's birth, as far as chronologically speaking, telling us the month and the day. Now that is not the case with a lot of things in the Bible. It tells us the month and the day that a lot of people were born. As a matter of fact, uh, it's remarkable the number of times it tells us the exact day to celebrate this feast or that feast or when to come in and go out and when to do these different things. But for some reason, God <clears throat> did not uh, tell us that in scripture as far as when uh, Jesus was born. 
what is recorded in scripture implies that at what time soever his birth took place, it could not have been on the 25th of December. At the time that the angel announced his birth to the shepherds of Bethlehem, they were feeding their flocks by night in the open fields. Now, no doubt the climate of Israel, uh, you know, and I'm going to leave it up to you to look it up. Uh, you find out that it's freezing cold. It's terribly cold uh, during the end of December all the way through February. And <clears throat> uh, none of the uh, shepherds were out there with all of their flocks, you know, tending to their flocks at night. That It just did not happen. Now, at the birth of Christ, every woman and child was to go to be taxed at the city whereto they belonged, whither some had long journeys, but the middle of winter was not fitting for such business. And the Roman Empire would have also have known that, that it wouldn't have even been practical to try to get entire nations of people to travel for a census uh, if it were the middle of winter. It, it, Three it's feet just, of snow on, on camels and donkeys wasn't yeah, practical. It's just ridiculous. Okay. So therefore, Christ could not have been born in the depth of the winter. Now, again, at the time of Christ's birth, the shepherds lay abroad watching with their flocks in the nighttime, but this was not likely to be in the middle of winter. And if any <clears throat> would think that the winter was not extreme in the land, all you have to do is go to Matthew 24, 20, when Jesus warns okay, uh, that, uh, you know, he, he, he says, uh, pray that your flight not be in the winter. Well, why? If the winters are so nice and temperate and we can all be out there with t-shirts and the, the flocks and the shepherds are so great, why would it matter if we had to flee in the wintertime? Well, Jesus is explaining that the winter would make extraordinarily difficult conditions. Now, <clears throat> let's see where we want to go. Okay. <laughs> if you do any research, you find out that there's a half a dozen people that think Jesus's birth was at different times and they all argue over it. Uh, some think that it was, duh, 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 duh. Yeah, I'm not even going to go through all the dates. So I'm just going to lose everybody. The strongest hey. argument for why <laughs> they, why people figure, which I'll, I mean, it's pretty obvious why they decided to go with December 25th. We'll get to that later. Yeah. But the reason that they figure that he would have been born that that time. The only biblical argument that's ever been made for it comes from a Jewish tradition that says that they think that prophets died the same day that they were conceived, which was not always the case, mm -hmm. but that was the, the, the myth or the legend here is that since prophets die the same day that they were conceived, if you count back from Passover nine months, they were calculating that it would have been around December 25th, but that wasn't actually that, that calculation was brought in way after the fact, after December 25th was established, there was plenty mm -hmm. of other dates that were speculated on that were not anywhere around December 25th. Hey, okay, I so was going to say, I noticed that a few people in the comments here already. I was going to say, if, you, if anybody's on here um, early on, while we still got plenty of time in the podcast, give us your best argument. Uh, for Christmas, biblical arguments oh, yeah. for why you think Christmas is because I, I know we're going to I had mentioned on a previous podcast that if we if we if we got hard on Christmas, we we're going to um, disappoint. I think disappoint wasn't the word that I used. I used a different word. It made some other people disappointed that I'd used that word, <laughs> but that we were going to disappoint a lot of Christians if we uh, mentioned oh, yeah. that it, that Christmas was not a, a, a Chris, of Christian origins. Yeah. OK, so one thing we should notice in the Bible is. 
Okay, the fact is, the Bible does not give us certain information for the same reason that it does give us other information. We are supposed uh, we are <clears throat> not supposed to know when Jesus was born. If we were, the Bible would have just simply clearly told us. So the odds of Jesus being born on December 25th are about one in 365. If you're using a, G uh, a Jewish calendar, the odds were about one in 360. So the reason that Christmas is celebrated on December 25th comes down to uh, the Roman pagans who first introduced the holiday of what was called Saturnalia. No. Yeah. That can't have any connection with this, can it? Well, let, let's, let's take a look. Now, before we get into the week-long celebration that finished up on uh, Christmas Eve, this is something that everyone needs to understand. I'm going to go through the Roman history as quickly as I can. So, <clears throat> and I'm going to do it without notes, which usually helps me to move it right along. So we have the time of Christ. He is born. He has his ministry. He's crucified. He's in the tomb. He resurrects. He's on earth for about 40 more days. He ascends into heaven. Then you have Pentecost, right? Immediately from that time forward, the Christians are persecuted. In Jerusalem, they're persecuted by first the Pharisees, then the Sadducees. Paul goes around the world starting churches, and they're persecuted in, in a lot of different places. Very soon after that, the Christians enter into a period that we know uh, that's popularly titled the Ten Waves of Persecution. And we go through these ten different uh, Roman Caesars who were just terrible and vicious towards Christianity. And I'm not going to go through all of them. I believe it's Emperor Nero who kicks it off. He was the fella that uh, was in power when Paul was killed, the Apostle Paul, when we read um, in the book of Acts. But you start off with all these periods of time when different Roman emperors were just hunting down Christians. They were murdering men, women, and children, infants. They were stealing the land of Christians. They were torturing them. They were feeding them to the lions. I mean, it is a horrible, horrible time. So Christianity, right from the onset, was underground. Okay, there weren't any big churches or any big buildings. Those didn't come around till about eight, nine hundred, a thousand AD, when you first start to see big churches with steeples and bells and people gathering together in public uh, safely to worship the Lord Jesus. So the Christians were underground. Then what happens in the third century is a man by the name of Constantine, nicknamed Constantine the Great. He came out and he said, okay, Christianity is now legal. So all the Christians came out from under rocks and caves and from the hiding that they were in, and they were able to worship the Lord God in public for the first time, really since Christianity started, since the church was formed in Acts chapter 2, they were finally able to worship openly and freely and in public. And this was a great sigh of relief for the Christians that had been under fear for their life. Uh, as far as worshiping the Lord Jesus and being found out by their neighbors or by uh, the government or by the pagans and at times by the Jews. So then what happened is one of the successors of Constantine named Theodosius, what he did was he said, okay, 
now Christianity is the state religion and everybody must be Christian. Now, at first you're like, huh, that's weird. That must've been great. No, it was hands down the worst thing that had ever happened to Christianity because you got to remember Rome ruled from the Atlantic to the Euphrates. They ruled from North Africa all the way up through Europe. They were in charge of the whole world. And in that world, you had <clears throat> dozens and dozens of different pagan religions that worshipped freely and openly. All of those pagans didn't just set down their idols and say, oh, okay, this sounds great. We'll just be Christians from now on. Please pass me a Bible. None of them did that. What happened was they all came into the church, and now you have a merging of Christianity and this secular uh, religion run by the state. So it's a state-run form of Christianity that had paganism merge into it. And what happened? Well, what the devil was unable to destroy through hundreds of years of persecution, he was able to destroy with this one move. And Christianity, who saw that all that happened was the state-run form of Christianity, which was now the Roman Church, the Church of Rome, which we call the Roman Catholic Church, they adopted every you mean pagan Roman pagan church. Yes. Okay. They adopted every single one of these uh, pagan practices and incorporated them into their religion and into their worship. Do you know what the word Catholic means, Caleb? No. It means no. ecumenical. Okay. That's exactly where it came from. They brought together every single pagan religion under the Roman banner. The Roman emperors didn't care about Christ. They didn't care about salvation and baptism. They didn't care about preaching the word of God. They were trying to unify their country, and they were trying to do it with a state-run religion. But there was a problem with this, and we read about this later on. So what happened in the Bible, when you read in the book of Revelation, you find out that Jesus wrote seven letters. One of the letters he wrote was to Pergamos. What we find is that the Babylonian religion and the Babylonian priests made their way to Pergamos when Cyrus, the Persian, took over Babylon. And what happened was they brought their Babylonian religion with them. And then under uh, Julius Caesar, okay, uh, we find that, or I should say his successor, uh, Augustus, he implemented emperor worship. So the, the Caesars believed they were gods, and they told everyone else they were gods, and they set up an idol, and their first temple was built in Pergamos. And this is important because when you read what Jesus wrote to the church in Pergamos, it all, all of a sudden it all makes sense. This was literally the center of paganism, of Babylonian paganism in the world. It was in the city of Pergamos. They had a temple there that was dedicated to emperor worship. So all of a sudden, now they are being forced, everyone is being forced into this one world uh, state-run religion. And all you had to do 
to be uh, okay with the Roman government was you had to go up there and you had to take a little pinch of incense and you had to throw it in the fire. And then you were written a certificate and they gave it to you and you say, they said, okay, you're good uh, with the church of Rome and emperor worship. You can go and freely do whatever you want. Um, we have you recorded as being obedient and loyal to uh, the uh, Roman Catholic institution. Well, okay, guess what? The Christians weren't willing to do that. They weren't willing to just do the pagan practices that were adopted into the state-run form of Christianity. So Christianity, again, goes underground and remains there while you have all of paganism come in and have a state-run form of Christianity, which had nothing to do with Christianity, which we call Catholicism. Emperor Constantine was the first pope. It was not Peter. I don't have time to get back into that. Peter said that. Jesus said that. It was said over and over again. Uh, the rock that the church was built upon was Christ. It was not Peter. And from there, <clears throat> you have the, uh, uh, the, the pagan church of Rome. What they did to make all the pagans feel good about themselves was they adopted all of their big days and they slapped a Christian sticker on it. Well, guess what? They took the pagan festival of Saturnalia, a seven-day festival of drunken uh, orgies, and uh, on the last day, they said, okay, we're going to say that this was the day that uh, Jesus was born. So they can paganize Christianity, or they can Christianize paganism. Whichever one it is, it doesn't work. It's just nonsense. So Saturnalia was the festival of the winter solstice. So the solstice is the time when the uh, there, there are two solstices and there are two equinoxes. So the solstice uh, in the winter is when the night is the longest and the day is the shortest. And then after that, the days start getting longer and longer and longer. And that was what the feast of Saturnalia was there to celebrate. And they worshiped the god Saturn, obviously. I think we, we were all able to put that together. So that is where uh, the timeline for December 25th uh, being the birth of Christ came from. It has nothing to do with the Bible. It has nothing to do with uh, logic or reason. It entirely has to do with uh, pagan Rome uh, trying to merge paganism and their brand of Christianity to make everyone happy under the banner of uh, the Empire of Rome and the Roman Catholic Church. Okay, wow. I'm going to take that a was, breath. Jump, yeah, jump I was going to say that was a that was very informative. So if if um, if you guys just heard Patrick say a bunch of stuff that like you, like he mentioned earlier, there's going to be some things that you don't want to, you don't want to hear as a Christian, especially we're only a few days away from Christmas. Everybody's getting ready for Christmas. Um, but it would be worth a 10 or 15 minutes worth of time doing some Google searches, looking up yeah. some ancient writings and start Prove finding wrong, out. Folks. Yeah, exactly what Patrick is talking about. This was, exactly what happened and this isn't you know, we got catholic friends on here we have cr plenty of christian friends on here celebrating christmas um and this isn't just um just a, a patrick and caleb rain on rain on christmas and ruin the day for everybody but um what you mentioned there patrick as far as as the way that that uh the church got combined with paganism there there is um there's a lot that happened and christmas is literally the tip of the iceberg this is just oh, one yeah. day on the calendar. 
yes. happens to be no. a big one. Absolutely. And and you find out that, you know, it, it's the same for Easter and we're going to ruin that for you in a couple months when springtime comes around. Um, but all of this, uh, Caleb, I just put the the uh, the reference up there. You can look up the, the Edict of Milan in 313 AD, Constantine made Christianity legal, and then look up Emperor Theodosius and he made Christianity uh, mandatory. And that's when everything, you know, really fell apart. So, um, so you Go mentioned ahead. this uh, Saturnalia, um, and of course uh -huh. I kind of mocked, like, how could this possibly be connected with Christianity? Um, it's a huge jump to go from um, this, the Christmas story that we that we read about in the Bible, the birth mm -hmm. of Jesus, and the and the um, pagan solstice festivals. And and Patrick mentioned this is the shortest day of the year, and especially in where a lot of the um, Christmas traditions that we still see carry on today that came from pagan origins. A lot of that came from North countries. It came from Rome and it came from other areas, Ireland, Germany, uh, France, er areas that were, were, were far, farther North. It would be similar to uh, the Canadian border in the United States. If you kind of look at it on, on the map, um, it would be a similar winter time in the dead of winter it was a serious time back then in ancient times. It's not like they had the conveniences that we have now of putting up food in a freezer. Um, it wasn't like they had the, uh, the running water and, and natural gas heat or electricity. It was uh, surviving the winters was a big deal. And a lot of the, the fall festivals that they had around the time of harvest, which have to do with Halloween um, at, at the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year, when there was the sun barely shone for a few hours, um, six or eight hours, maybe at the most. Um, and so it was very cold and there was not enough feed for the cattle. And so of, oftentimes in these, these Northern regions, they would slaughter a ton of animals and have big feasts. It was kind of a natural thing that, that they did at that time. Um, and this had gone on for a long time. This isn't something, uh, some of the, some of the arguments that I hear against where, where there's Christians saying, Oh no, uh, paganism, didn't predate Christianity. Uh, people were celebrating Christmas first and then paganism came in. And that's the most ridiculous, <laughs> ludicrous argument you could make yeah. because for several hundred years, five, I think uh, Saturnalia was, was like over 500 years ahead of, ahead of, uh, of Jesus. Yep. Um, so it was certainly, it was certainly paganism and then Christmas came along and these things got drug into it. And if you look at every Christmas tradition that we have today, um, it is, a almost spitting image of what they were doing then is just a cleaned up version of it. It looks pretty wholesome yep. now because we're more civilized or, or so we think. Mm -hmm. But um, so you mentioned, you casually mentioned a couple of very troubling things to do with Saturnalia. Uh, yeah. I was thinking uh, uh, here in a few days, a lot of us are going to be out Christmas caroling all over America. Sure. Churches are going to be taking to the streets to go Christmas caroling. Mm -hmm. So the origin behind that, you mentioned the uh, drunk orgies, um, mm -hmm. people were actually running around in the streets naked, going door to door, naked. asking for right. gifts, drinking. Yep. And what was the, what was kind of the reason, uh, if you were to try to kind of, uh, like, how would they have sold Saturnalia as a holiday to the, to the public back then? As far as it, it was it, like, they turned society upside down. It was supposed to be equal rights. Men and women had equal rights, slaves and slaves, hold, slaveholders. It was like this kind of lawless it was lawless uh, to the point where they actually suspended a vast number of laws during this period. Um, Including was, like gambling. 
<clears throat> you know, I mean, I would have to find yeah, a list. There was there, the, the restrictions on gambling were was limited. Rape mm-hmm. was legal. Um, mm-hmm. Any kind of sexual immorality that normally would have been um, uh, legally punished. There was no mm-hmm. laws. The king there was, was no laws concerning uh, rape or sexual license in any way. Right. So it, it was it was a time to fulfill your wildest, crazy sexual fantasies. And, and I, we should really call them sexual perversions. You know, it was a time to fulfill your wildest and craziest sexual perversions, you know, on this state holiday. And everybody's drunk, naked, mm-hmm. running around in the mm-hmm. streets and nothing good happens. We have a bunch of drunk, naked people running around in the streets. So yeah. it wasn't, it was, it was not good. Um, children were involved. Um, they, they said men and women had equal rights um, during this time, but it was actually one of the only times that like women and people with disabilities like dwarfs were allowed to uh, play gladiatorial games where they would go in and, and, ha- you know, have entertainment where they would watch women fight to the death. And normally that was reserved only for men. So it was actually rights to, to use women for entertainment during this time, not really equal rights for women. Um, the slaves were, would sit with their slaveholders um, at, you know, and, and dine together. Um, it was kind of supposed to be equal rights, but um, the, uh, the whole thing really, to me, it's, it was peddled as if somehow this was a good thing for society, but it, it reminds me of where the Bible talks about good being called evil and evil being called good. It was almost peddled as this, this good thing, like, here, we're going to all go out and, pr- and celebrate Saturnalia and um, it's somehow going to be good for society. Well, and you know, really, Caleb, every time you look at a pagan festival, whether it be Greek or Roman, it was always a fulfillment of the flesh. Okay, that's what all of them were. It had nothing to do with the Lord or the spirit. It all had to do with the fulfillment of the flesh. And that's what all pagan religions have to do with. I mean, across the board, it's about self-gratification and it's about trying to uh, increase one's own stature and focusing on yourself and figuring out what you want and how to achieve those ends. Now, to give you an idea, I put up a couple things for people to look up on their own, you know, before they start calling me names. Okay, here's another one. Um, okay, because of the uh, pagan <clears throat> origins of Christmas, did you know that Christmas was illegal? Okay, in America by the Puritans, okay, until 1681. And it had, when the Puritans were in charge in in England for a while, they had banned it Uh in England as well until they got overturned. And and the reason that the reason that they said in England, they're like, give us Christmas or we're going to put a king back on the throne. And they wouldn't, the Puritans wouldn't give them Christmas. So they put a a king back on on the throne. And that is, it's amazing that Christmas is such a big stinking deal. Yeah. people it really no, is yeah it it really is so <clears throat> i i don't really want to get into santa claus i think that's kind of a waste of time maybe if we have time we can circle back to it but i really want to talk about my favorite part of christmas and that is the christmas tree can i jump into this go ahead okay so <clears throat> Uh, Let's see. Just as early Christians recruited uh, the Roman pagans by associating Christmas with Saturnalia, so too worshipers of the Asheria cult and its offshoots were recruited by the church sanctioning Christmas trees. 
So pagans had long been worshiping trees in the forest or they brought them into their homes and decorated them. And this observance was adopted by the Christians and painted with the veneer of a Christian light. The funniest part about the observance of the pagans is that it's written down in the Bible and expressly forbidden. And this is going to be one of the most important portions of scripture to turn to because this will ruin everybody's Christmas. I mean, this one is so obvious and I'll have Christians stand here and argue with me about it. And I'm like, man, I don't, you guys don't have a leg to stand on. So go to Jeremiah chapter 10 and we'll start in verse one. Okay. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse one, and we're going to read the first five verses of Jeremiah. Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. So the Lord's saying, <clears throat> do not do the way of the heathen. So we're about to figure out what the way of the heathen is. For the customs of the people are vain, for one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers, that it move not. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must needs be born, because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, neither also is it in them to do good. So, <clears throat> Caleb, this is what the pagans did. If we're going to give you the bullet points, they went out into the forest and they picked out a tree. They cut down the tree. They dragged the tree inside. They set the tree up in their house. They fastened it with nails and with hammers that it wouldn't move. And they decked it with silver and with gold. Does that sound like anything we see done around Christmas time? No, I don't see any connection at all, man. It is insane to me that people have been doing this their entire life and have never thought to. See, this is the problem, Caleb. American Christians today, they never even have the thought. This is weird. Where did this come from? I wonder if God's okay with it. When's the last time? Someone had that thought. That's a good, healthy thought to have every so often. Huh, this is weird. Where did this come from? I wonder if God's okay with it. We would all do well to have that thought from time to time. So <clears throat> this is what the pagans did. Now, here's what it comes down to. Every single Christian comes up with the same argument. <clears throat> and Caleb, can you go to Exodus chapter 20 and get ready to read a couple verses out there? Every single Christian comes down to the same argument. And, and keep in mind, if you want a Christmas tree, I know what I'm saying is not going to convince you otherwise. And I don't care if it does. Okay. All I care about is that my family and I obey the Lord. What everyone else does is on them. You're going to have to answer to God for yourself. Everyone says, oh, but I don't worship the tree. Well, there you have it. You do exactly like the heathen do. You bring in an idol. You set it up the exact same way. But I don't worship the tree. Well, looks like we're in the clear. So let me ask you this. 
If that's the standard, which, by the way, is not what the Bible says. The Bible says to abstain from all appearance of evil. The Bible says not to do like the heathen do. Obviously, we're not supposed to do exactly what the heathen do. Hey, we're not even supposed to do like it. So my question for every Christian that wants to defend the Christmas tree is this. What other idols are you okay with having in your house so long as you don't bow down and worship them? Are you okay with a totem pole? Are you okay with a brazen statue of Molech? Are you okay with the Babylonian god Baal? What idols can you have a statue of Buddha in your house? And another one to the Mary, the virgin mother. I was going to say, let's go with Mary and baby Jesus. Let's sure. just go with that. Okay. What <laughs> idols are you allowed it to have in your house so long as you don't bow down and worship them? Because the Bible doesn't say have all the idols you want so long as you don't worship them. Caleb, what is... Exodus chapter 20 saying, Caleb's going to read from the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. End of verse. Next commandment. Now, thou shalt not bow right down yourself to them. Hold on, hold on, hold yeah. on. So you, that was the end of commandment number one, correct? Right. Okay. So now we're on to commandment number two. Two separate commandments, right? Yep. Okay. Please continue in verse five and Don't tell us. Don't have what, any gods. And then yep. it goes on. Yep. Verse five. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Okay, so commandment number one is don't have these gods. Commandment number two, and I want to make sure I'm reading this right. Okay, so sorry. And, and it's actually, actually two and three both. because yeah. the first one, yeah, the first one yeah. is. So commandment one is don't have any other gods. Number two is don't make any idols. And number three is, um, uh, is not to bow down and worship them. Okay. No, actually, you know what? I think I'm wrong with that, Caleb. I think I'm wrong with that. Let's, let's check this. God spake all the words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's commandment number one. Thou shalt not make unto thee. Commandment number two is not to have any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or water below. And that thou shalt not bow, bow down the. Uh, so it is, it is all tied in. It, it, it is, is the, all in the verse first one. breaks right there, but it's not the, actually a separate commandment. Correct. Okay. So please forgive me as I was uh, as I made a mistake there in trying to make my point. So there you have uh, it. I kind of I kind Bring of missed, in all kind the of, idols you want, just so long as you don't bow down. God's just fine with it, and I hope the sarcasm made it through the audio. <clears throat> 
Okay, so <clears throat> that's the question that I have for all the Christians, which is uh, what idols, idols can you have? Yep, which idols are okay to have in your house so long as you don't bow down and worship them? Because, well, and the problem is, Caleb, no one ever makes that stand. There's no Christian that's like, oh, yeah, go ahead. Any idols you want, just decorate your whole house with them. So long as you're not praying to them, God doesn't have a problem whatsoever. I mean, that's ridiculous. Well, and, the, and the other funny thing Catholics. is... Yeah, Catholics well, kind of do. Okay, I mean, no, that, yeah, that that one gets kind of shot in the foot with Catholics. They have statues all over the place. Believe, believe me, we grew, I grew up in a home with a lot of statues. Okay, you know, but you never prayed. To, you never prayed to any of them, did you, Caleb? I never prayed. Period. I never prayed once until I was twenty years old. Or if I did, I don't remember doing. Okay, it. but I none mean, of your was, ca- none of your Catholic friends or family would have ever prayed to any of the statues. Oh no, we were taught to. We were taught to pray to the saints. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pray to, you know, whatever, St. Anthony. So what's the difference between praying praying to them and worshiping them? (laughs) There is none. You're giving them attributes of God. That's exactly what it, that's exactly what it is. You're, you are, you are giving them uh, or assuming that they have the power of God and you're going to them and asking for sustenance to be given to you rather than going to God for it. You know, and, and God's the one that says that he's a jealous God. We're not supposed to be doing that. Okay, so uh, yeah, I would, I would say we should on? avoid that topic though, because people have their nativity sets out right now. So I don't want to offend anybody about having their figurines of Mary and Joseph and maybe Jesus and the Get wise on men it, out man. there. Go ahead. While we're doing it, you might as well. <laughs> no, it's cute. There. It's it's the it's the most Jesusy thing to do this time of year is to have your nativity scene out because then it reminds you not only of Santa Claus and all mm. the terrible history behind that. Uh, but you also have Jesus there and you can worship Jesus and Mary along with him. Mm-hmm. There's um, there's not, there couldn't possibly be any pagan origins be- behind worshiping uh, a mother and her infant baby. Could there, that, that, that isn't, that isn't anything anybody would do. Right. We're going to get off in the weeds for the next half an hour. And we're going to get off of Christmas. If you want to go over this, I, I can tell you, okay. That, <clears throat> um, we could go over Yule and the Yule log. We could go over mistletoe. We could go over, you know, any of those. Okay, and so those are both interesting things because those get, those are, are things from paganism in other, other regions. And you have to remember that Rome was a melting pot. So Patrick mentioned um, Babylon and, and paganism coming out of Babylon, but paganism came back together in Rome and it all came under under the, the rule of the Roman Empire and the, the state-run church, it all got combined into one kumbaya, happy, happy ending in the, in the Christian church in, in Rome. And so a lot of these things, they brought these traditions from other, other regions like mistletoe, the Yule log. Um, those were, would have been things um, from further north. So I should give everyone, and I didn't, I didn't get pictures here, but if you want, one, uh, one thing I should tell you is that uh, everyone should get this book, okay? It's called A Woman Rides the Beast, okay? And it's by Dave Hunt, okay? And that book Make is- Make sure you book. understand who Jesus is first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, well, yeah, I think- Read your Bible will, first, up on get your it, salvation you know, sorted out, and then, and then go ahead and get the room, The Woman Rides the Beast. 
So if anyone's curious about the idea of tracing the history of paganism all the way from Babylon up through to the Roman Catholic Church and how under Constantine, all of the pagan you know, nations were united uh, with their uh, false gods, uh, Dave Hunt does a great job in The Woman Rides the Beast. There's another one, I think it's called The Two Babylons by Alexander Hislop. And uh, that one, some people argue about a couple of points, and they believe that the author, the author was wrong in. And because of that, they unfortunately write off the entire book. And I think that's a shame because it, it really is a wonderful book that does the same thing. It, it's much, much older, uh, and it outlines um, uh, how you can find uh, the Babylonian religion started by Nimrod right after the flood in the days of Noah and how you can find that in every single pagan religion around the, around the world. And the reason you find that is because uh, the Babylonian religion was started by Nimrod right after the flood during the Tower of Babel. And then God separated everybody by confounding their languages and sending them all to the different parts of the earth. Well, every single one of those groups took with them the Babylonian pagan religion. And over the years, they put their own unique spin on it. But what you find is that the roots are all the same. Uh, you know, there's there are common threads that run through all of them. And they're so, I mean, they're so similar. You know, it's really spooky. It's as if the same person started them all, which is true. So, you know, that's, so if, that's what if the Roman Empire was going to do an ecumenical, bring everybody together under one world religion, having the Virgin Mary and baby Jesus made a lot of sense because everybody had that. Well, and if you think about it, the, the Virgin Mary and the baby Jesus, which both were uh, worshipped as deities, uh, that goes all the way back to the... Um, uh, the worship of Semiramis and Tammuz from the Babylonian religion. And then you have Ashtaroth and Tammuz from the Phoenician religion. You have Isis and Horus from Egypt. You have Aphrodite and Eros from Greece. And you have Venus and Cupid from Rome. And those are all the female goddess and her baby god, uh, you know, throughout the world. I mean, those are the, those are the big names, the heavy hitters. But, <clears throat> you know, that's what you, that's what you find, um, all over the place. So, so, so you mentioned the Yule log. Yeah. Um, and the, and mistletoe. Mm -hmm. So just briefly touching on those, um, what's the problem with a Yule log? I mean, didn't God make logs? Sure. Well, and there's nothing really, you know, wrong with, I mean, burning fire, you know, to stay, to um, stay warm. So the Yule log, let me see if I can find this here. Da, 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 da. <sighs> Boy, sorry. So you, you can, you can read um, if you, if you like to read books and you want to get a free book, a lot of ancient historical books are readily available online and you can actually, there's no copyright left on on them. I was earlier reading through Julius Caesar um, and he was talking about the traditions of the Druids, which would have been in ancient um, Rome, or I'm sorry, ancient like uh, France, Germany, um, the, uh, the, the British, uh, British kingdoms, uh, the Isles, which would have included Ireland. And so uh, some of this, some of this uh, tradition with the, with Yule, um, is very interesting how this gets uh, this, the similarities with Yule and and Christmas and how this got brought together in the the early uh, Roman Christian Church. 
um, the mistletoe. Um, do you, did you bring anything up there on on uh, the well, Yule log? Well, as far yeah, as far as the Yule log goes, this what what they would do is they would um, they would start the fire with a piece of last year's uh, Yule log. They would save it for the purpose of starting you know this fire in your home, and then um, they would they would they would decorate um, the log with various things. Um, and for yeah, the, the men of the town, would, they would they yeah. would go and drag the biggest tree from the forest into the town center, and then everyone would bring yule logs into their homes as well, and they would light the light the giant log on fire. And as long as it burned, it was their solstice mm -hmm. festival, which is pretty similar to Saturnalia and what yeah, was going and, on in Rome. And the the word yule in the Chaldean language means infant. And and what you got to remember is that um, they they were worse. So okay, so going. I said I wasn't going to do it. Here we go. So going back to the time of Nimrod, okay, Nimrod, the mighty hunter, you can read about him in Genesis chapter, I don't know, 9, 10, 11. And you find out that he married a woman named Semiramis, and she was, you know, supposed to be a breathtakingly beautiful woman. And <clears throat> uh, Nimrod uh, claimed to be a god, okay? And he was the, the leader of the first uh, world empire and also the first pagan religion. And, and this is the reason that the emperors believed that they were gods. It's the same pagan religion from, you know, beginning to end. And I hate to tell you, guess what the Pope thinks he is. Uh, the Pope thinks he's God. Uh, if you don't believe it, uh, you're talking to a guy with over 20 years of Catholic education. Uh, I was raised Catholic, baptized, First Holy Communion, went to, you know, a parochial high school. I mean, don't, don't argue with me on Catholicism. You've watched the Eucharist? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the guy says that when he sits in a special chair in Rome and makes a declaration that it, he is the vicar of Christ. He is Christ on earth and he is speaking for God. So what you found was that Nimrod said that he was God. And then he ended up being killed and he had a son with his wife, Simiramis. She was pregnant and then had the baby, you know, the posthumous son of Nimrod, who was named Tammuz. And Simiramis said that Tammuz was Nimrod reincarnated. So now the people worshipped Simiramis as the mother god and they worshipped uh, Tammuz as the baby god. And this... Um, picture was made into stone idols all the way back then in ancient Babylon about the mother god holding the baby god. And Tammuz, the baby, was, um, <clears throat> was representative of the sun god, and that is why they would worship him during this time of year, during the winter solstice, because the days were the law or the days were the shortest. And then they crossed over a threshold and they had the winter solstice. And now the days were getting longer. And that was a, a, a time to celebrate and the reason for the celebration. So <clears throat> anyway, the Yule log. In, oh yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, so that Yule log came from the Chaldean word infant. So that was the idea. It was to, uh, represent, you know, the power of this baby God that was the sun God. Uh, and and uh, I don't know how far I want. I'm not going to get any further into this. If we want to have a okay. whole night dedicated to Catholicism and the Eucharist and the pagan origins, I'd be happy to do it because I'm sure I haven't driven off enough of our listeners yet. So, yeah, for those, those of you just tuning in, Merry Christmas. We are... <laughs> 
Jesus is the reason for the season, and here we are about halfway. Well, I don't know how far we are through the through the We're an hour in, an hour in, maybe yeah. a third of the way. I'm not sure how much we have left to cover. Um, mm-hmm. So this is this is the amazing um, dark paths that you go down when you start reading through history. And the funny thing is, is you can read plenty of this history straight out of the Bible because it's not like Patrick and I decided to start a religion of all the things that you can't do. And that Mm -hmm. we're just trying to tell you, Hey, you shouldn't do this. And you shouldn't do that. God has been saying this since the get go. He's telling them, do not do what the nations around you are doing. And this, a lot of these traditions, these pagan worship rituals were well recorded um, in scripture as going on. And and you can read quite detailed accounts about what was going on. So the, the Yule uh, festival would have been, um, very similar to the um, Saturnalia fast festival that uh, was going on in Rome. Yule was happening in more of the uh, old Norse country, the, my old stomping grounds where my ancestors came from. Um, and they would, they would have sacrifices. They would bring this log into town. They would have uh, animal sacrifices. One of the big things was goats. Um, they had human sacrifice as well. And still to this day, they um, set up a giant Yule goat uh, made of straw, even though they banned the, uh, the original um, sacrifices that they would do. And they burned the, they burned the straw statute of a goat every year. Um, it's, it is our, our Christmas, at least secular Christmas songs are littered with Yule traditions, Yuletide greetings in our, in the lyrics of our Christmas songs. It's not a, this is not, this is an open secret. It's well known that this influenced Christmas and the Druids, which would have been um, the religious priests or whatever um, in that region, uh, they were known for their gruesome um, human sacrifice and for the the, uh, the the way that they they basically ran society kings got their order from these religious nut jobs basically <laughs> that were these pagan priests that told the kings when they could or couldn't go to war um, and I was reading about this like I said earlier if you read through uh, Julius Caesar's uh, book on the the the, uh, the wars yeah of Gaul and he talks mm-hmm. uh, I think it's in the sixth book about the 13th through the 16th chapter and you can you can download it as a free pdf and you can read about it there um it was it was a very very similar thing that was going on there but the god odin was a big deal in um uh, specifically in like old uh I- ireland um uh, germany uh th- those areas where which would would have been considered gaul back then Um, And the god Odin was known to ride on an eight-legged horse and take a midnight ride at the winter solstice. And he would go around and decide who who had been good and who had been bad. And the the bad children were put to death. He would, if you were seen outdoors and you hadn't made your sacrifice, um, he would, he was the god of discernment and wisdom and the god of death and so he rode this eight-legged horse through the night sky and um rewarded the 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 nice or the good uh, by giving them another year to live and the the naughty were were killed or, or or would see death and so there was a lot of human sacrifice that went on around this time they were known to, if they were going to a war they would build giant straw statutes and they would fill them um uh, or wood or straw statutes, and they would fill them with, with humans and animals uh, 
typically criminals if they could, and they would burn the statute as a, as a huge um, human sacrifice. Um, if they couldn't find enough criminals to put in it, they would just randomly select innocent civilians and put in it. And this all had to do with, with their traditions, which Yule was the big one uh, annual winter solstice celebration that they had. And the Druids believed that mistletoe was a sign of peace. That was something if you met someone in the mountains, in the woods, whatever, and, and you were going to prove to them that there was peace between you, you would present them with a mistletoe. And that is where uh, kissing under the mistletoe comes from. That's how it got brought into the Christian tradition uh, or Christmas tradition there. Um, it comes straight from paganism and from a uh, very, very dark um, and, and I think that the, the, the Yule celebration was a lot darker than Saturnalia. Saturnalia was, was pretty dark. It was just like this, like Patrick said, a big drunken orgy, uh, which is pretty dark, but it wasn't as demonic and dark and focused around death as, um, as what they were doing further north with uh, Yule. But um, Yule and Saturnalia both were happening at the same time and had been going for hundreds of years before Christ's birth. So they definitely have an impact. <clears throat> well, and if you go down to Egypt, uh, the son of Isis, the Egyptian title for the queen of heaven was born uh, during that time, uh, the winter solstice. Uh, and the uh, the name by which Christmas is popularly known among, uh, you know, all of us, uh, which was Yule Day, uh, again, shows the, you know, pagan Babylon, uh, or I'm sorry, the pagan and Babylonian origins. Um, ar around the world, no matter what pagan group you find, they worship the solstice. Uh, that was the time that was very special to them. Uh, every witch, uh, if you haven't read a book on witchcraft, I don't blame you, uh, but there are some of us that enjoy studying uh, these different cultures from around the world and paganism and idolatry and and witchcraft uh, because uh, we teach on it, you know. So anytime I can get a hold of somebody that knows something about this and about, uh, you know, how all this works, I always, you know, sit them down and want to, you know, interview the people to get a little bit more um, of an enlightened view, you know, with a firsthand account. And every single one of these groups uh, worships the sun, moon and stars. Uh, they worship and have big festivals during the solstices. They have big festivals during the equinoxes. Um, you know, Halloween falls on one of those Christmas falls on one of those you, you, uh, Easter. Okay. All of these different things you find. It'd be nice about Easter. On, that's, yeah. that's the resurrection day. Okay. Yeah. It's one thing to be hard on his birthday, but let's be, be nice about the resurrection day. Okay. <laughs> so all of these things, uh, fall on the pagan festivals and the purpose of all of them was to try to bring all the pagans together under the ban. Uh, or under the banner of the Roman Catholic Church, the the state-funded, uh, state-sponsored Church of Rome. And that's how they brought them all in. You know, they slapped some Christian labels on them and tried to get the whole world to get together under one banner. And for the most part, it worked. It really did. You know, uh, most Christians didn't want to uh, hide out and worship in secret for fear of their lives. So they were much happier just going along with whatever nonsense they came up with so that they could continue to worship openly and freely. And that's where we are today. 
So, you know, what's funny to me, Caleb, and I think you and I were talking about this earlier is during this time of the year and, and, and believe me, I, it's not like I give this talk and I, and I, all of a sudden Christmas tree sales go down by 20% in America, you know, all that happens is, you know, 98% of people listening usually laugh at me and call me names because uh, they don't like any of these ideas. But whenever you go into anyone's house, you know, during this time of year, what is the centerpiece of everybody's living room? I mean, lots of people, they move their furniture out of the way, you know, and they set up this big decadent uh, tree that they... With lots of know, red balls on it. <laughs> yep. You know, that's, I mean, nowadays we hire someone else to go out and cut it down, you know, and we just buy it from them. But we spend all this money... We bring it in, we set it up, you know, we decorate it and it is the centerpiece of our house. And it, it, it has nothing to do with Jesus. It has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with uh, the Bible. And, you know, we were talking, so we were talking last week about Hanukkah and, and two things I want to say about Hanukkah. Number one, my family celebrates Hanukkah, but if we didn't, if we did not celebrate Hanukkah, you would still find a Christmas tree set up in my house over my dead body. Okay. I've been married going on 15 years and we have not had one Christmas tree in my house and we will never have a Christmas tree in my house. It will never happen. I would burn my home to the ground before I allowed a Christmas tree to be set up in my house. It is ridiculous. Okay. Now that's interesting because I always thought you were bigger on Christmas than you were apparently because you, you guys always sent us a, a uh, card at Christmas time for years. We have oh, pictures yeah. of your family around Christmas time. Yeah. We actually yeah, we, had our first Christmas tree last year. We haven't set one mm -hmm. up this year, but ours is plastic. So it didn't, since it didn't get cut down, oh, it must be exempt from that better. verse Absolutely. testament about God cutting down the tree. And bring... Yeah. That's a nice workaround, Caleb. I'm glad you figured that one out. Okay. <laughs> so, but like I said, we, we celebrate Hanukkah, but you have to understand that even if we did not celebrate Hanukkah, we, we still wouldn't celebrate Christmas. We, we, Hanukkah is not not a substitution for Christmas. Okay. The, 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 I don't know if it's the best thing or the funniest thing for me, but Christmas is all about paganism and idol worship. That's what the whole thing is about. Hanukkah, the entire holiday is about a group of guys, specifically one family that started a rebellion and fought off the Phoenician empire by, or, uh, yeah, I think it was the Phoenician Empire, uh, which ended up being Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, one of the successors of Alexander the Great's four generals, Ptolemy. Uh, and they fought them off because they came into the cities of Israel and set up idols and set up altars to these pagan gods in every city and forced every Jew to bow down and worship them. And one priest, Matthias, had enough, and he said, no way are we going to do this. And they killed the people who bowed down to worship this idol, and they killed the officers sent from Antiochus Epiphanes, and they started a rebellion because they were not willing to do it. There were, and, and you can, I think we talked about this last week, but you can read about this in the second book of Maccabeus. Um, and you can read about how there was a great number of Jews that chose to die by the hand of the soldiers that came to the cities that set up the idols rather than to bow down and worship these pagan idols. And Caleb, 
it was so easy to the point where the officers sent by Antiochus Epiphanes met with the elders of the cities and they said to him, look, if you guys will just bow down to these idols, it can be quick. Okay, it'll be painless. You just have to hurry up and do it so we can tell our boss that you did it and we're going to leave and we'll even reward you with silver and gold. Okay, they just wanted them. They were like, please just do this so we can check the box and say that you did it and we'll be on our way. And it would have been so easy to just pacify this hostile force. And they refused to do it because they took the law of the Lord seriously. And that's what I don't see nowadays in Christianity. I see everybody on earth trying to make not only every excuse, but try to figure out every workaround they can as to how they can write this off and say it's no big deal. Even though any Christian, and I mean any Christian that spent five minutes researching this subject will find out that it is almost impossible to find information other than that which has been presented this evening. And I would encourage everybody to go and do your own homework. Don't believe Caleb and I because of what we said. Go ahead and do it on your own. You're going to find out everything that we told you is true. Christmas used to be illegal in America because of the Puritans. You're going to read about the Egyptians and, and the Norse gods. You're going to read about the Babylonian gods and the Greek gods and Pergamos and everything that we told you. <clears throat> you're, go ahead and read Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 1 through 5 again, and tell me that that it was someone other than the heathen that cut down trees and dragged them into their house and set them up and decorated them. I mean, you can't get around it. It is so clearly pagan. And Christians will do whatever they can to just turn a blind eye because they couldn't even imagine changing their lifestyle, you know, uh, one little bit. Uh, for uh, God, because that's tradition and that's what we always do. And oh, brother, that makes me sick. I'll tell you what, be cold or be hot. Okay, stop right. being lukewarm. So um, you mentioned, and we discussed this some last week, so I'm not going to go into much more length on it, but you mentioned Hanukkah and the mm -hmm. contrast between men of God that were willing to stay, take a stand against Mm -hmm. idol worship and, and the, the pagan influence that was coming into Israel. And then we have the, the church in Rome that seemed mm -hmm. to try to make peace by merging everything together and, mm -hmm. and somehow turn this into a one world religion. Now it's interesting that this was pretty recent in their history. Uh, the, the, um, the uh, Maccabean revolt. Mm -hmm. This had happened just, a f what was it, two or three hundred years before? 150, 150 years, years before prior Christ. to the birth of Christ was the Maccabean revolt. So just a few hundred years before the um, the church in Rome was getting started and, and doing this, something very opposite had happened. Just a, a couple hundred years before the early church was grappling with how to deal with it. When you read in Acts, where they were trying to figure out, what do we do with um, merging our our Jewish tradition and our belief in mm -hmm. God with the pagan culture around us. You read about the, uh, the uh, first council at Jerusalem there where they were trying to figure out, do we eat meats that were sacrificed to idols? Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're, they weren't debating, should we go and sacrifice with them? Should we go into their temples with them? And should we observe the sacrifices with them? They were saying, what yep. about the meat that was sold in the marketplaces that was left over 
from yeah. these pagan celebrations. All right, so here is here is a um, since I was I had stuff pulled up on Yule, I was going to just read this. It was an ancient custom that when sacrifice was to be made at Yule time, all farmers were to come to the heathen temple and bring along with them the food that they needed while the feast lasted. At this feast, all were to take part of the drinking of ale. Also, all kinds of livestock were killed in connection with it. Horses also, and all the blood from them was was called sacrificial blood. And it had a some weird name, H-L-A-U-T, however you say that. Uh, the, the vessel holding the blood, uh, which was called the hlotomnir or something, and the sacrificial twigs, these were fashioned like sprinklers. And with them were to be smeared all over with blood, the pedestals of the idols, and also the walls of the temple within and without. And likewise, the men present were to be sprinkled with blood, but the meat of the animals was to be boiled and served as food at the banquet. Fires were to be lighted in the middle of the temple floor, kettles hung over the fires. The sacrificial beaker was to be borne around the fire, and he who made the feast was the chieftain, was to bless the beaker as well as all the sacrificial meat. So here they had blessed this meat. They had taken the blood and sprinkled it all over this pagan temple, and this is what Christians in the early church um, recorded in, in Acts. Christians were struggling with how, how separate should we be? And they decided, let's not even eat meat that was associated with this. And we're not going to have anything to do with it. We're going to completely cut ourselves off from these pagan rituals, these pagan celebrations, these pagan feasts. We're not going to have anything to do with it. They, we're not going to eat their meat, even if it's sold later and we pray over it. It's just we're not going to go there fast forward a few hundred years and and here we have christians celebrating sanctioned by the roman church the state church saying you know what we're going to clean this up we're going to take this festival and we're going to turn it into a christian festival we're going to make it about jesus and we're just going to do all the things that the pagans are doing that god told us not to do we're going to do all these things mm. and somehow christians were okay with it and so this is what i can't wrap my mind around is because of the separation between then and now we have an association with Christmas for what we know it as this good, wholesome family time where we gather around the fire and we sing Christmas carols and we give each other gifts. And it's this, it's this um, um, amazing time of where we reflect on the birth of Jesus and we drink eggnog and we, um, we, we travel to go see grandma and grandpa. And I mean, what, in, in such a messed up society, like what we have now, where we're so disconnected and we don't have real relationships, what better thing could there be than to have some sort of a feast like this, where we gather together as families and we do this? It seems like it's a really, really good thing. And a lot of my Christian friends um, that I talked to, they, they would roll their eyes at me for me to say, well, there was some sort of a pagan origin. They say, well, it's not pagan for me. Maybe it was pagan back then, but it's not pagan now. Mm -hmm. Well, this is my question. Maybe it doesn't look that pagan to you. Maybe, maybe as a Christian, you've been celebrating Christmas. I've done Christmas as long as I've been alive. We've always done sure. some sort of Christmas. Yeah. Uh, we never had a Christmas tree growing up. We oftentimes didn't do much for Christmas gifts, but we always sang Christmas carols. We always, um, we always made Christmas cookies. We always had a big Christmas dinner where we got together with, with uh, grandparents, um, family, friends, and it was, it was always a very happy celebratory time of the year. I love Christmas. I love the meal that's served at Christmas time. I like Christmas lights. I think they're pretty. I think it's, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of things about the tradition that I like, and it's hard to see what I have seen celebrated and find much wrong with it. 
the way that it's being peddled to us now, it's been mm-hmm. repackaged and it looks pretty nice. There's a few things about it that I've heard Christians complain about it, the commercial the commercialization, you know, people going out trying to spend a whole bunch of money and, and uh, retailers using it as a time to get people to shop. Um, well, that's an intentional thing. And actually Christmas and Santa Claus and the way that America reinvented Christmas because of capitalism. We yeah. reinvented Christmas because it's a great way to sell stuff. And so if you look at Santa Claus and the way that he is, that was Sears and Roebuck, I believe, that that or Macy's. I, no, Sears and Roebuck, I think. Somebody that they hired, a cartoon artist, to draw the picture of Santa Claus. Because before mm-hmm. then, it was any version of a um, an elf a demon outright demon there was there was father winter there was all kinds of different depictions of santa claus the god odin had been originally the the original figure that the santa claus now replaces um and so you, you look you look at how it's come to now and it's like about the only negative thing that a christian can look at without a, a real education on history here the only thing that you can really look at with Christmas and, and be concerned about is, well, it's a little bit, it's a little bit less centered on Christ than I think it should be because people are too self-centered and it's too commercialized. And that's the biggest mm-hmm. argument that I've heard against it. However, just, uh, oh no, oh, go ahead. continue, continue. I just put oh, yeah. up something on, on Santa Claus there for you. I have a whole section okay. on Santa, but I, I didn't want to get into it. Go ahead. So that's the biggest argument that I hear Christians make against Christmas is, well, it's a little bit, it's starting to lose its original meaning of Christmas. It, the, the original Christ is getting left out of Christmas. And it's like, really? Yeah. If you were a Christian in the early church and you were, you were among the apostles that gathered in Jerusalem to try to, to try to discuss how are we going to stay separate and not allow paganism to creep in? And how are we going to keep from eating the meats that were sacrificed at Christmas time in their, in their, in their, in their temples, how are we going to stay separate from this? And you were to look out the window and you lived in Rome and you were a Roman Christian and you saw people dancing in the street naked and, uh-huh. and, and having all sorts of sexual immorality um, all around you. Um, and you saw the, the, if you were in Germany and you were seeing the Yule celebration going on you were seeing the human sacrifices um, and, and you were just seeing how demonic things were all around you. To, to think of, of saying, we have two choices here. Either one is we're going to say no to all of it. And we're going to say we're going to stay separate from the pagan society around us. As Christians, mm-hmm. we're going to take a stand against this. Or let's figure out how to clean this up by we're going to repurpose Christmas, remodel it. And it's going to be a, a, a bigger, better, uh, more modern version of this pagan holiday. But we're going to, we're going to mix Christ in with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that any of my current Christian friends that are, that are not, that are, are uh, walking with God and, and are pretty serious about their faith, but are still celebrating Christmas. I think any of, of us would look at Christmas then in a lot different light than we look at it now, but because of the, the years that have gone by since, since the Roman Catholic church made the awful decision to clean up these pagan holidays and turn them into Christmas or Chris, Christian holidays, since all these years have gone by, it's very confusing now because it's like, is it really a pagan holiday? Was it a pagan holiday? I wasn't there back then. I didn't witness it. Most of us don't read the history to find out really how bad things were, what was really going on. And a lot of us say, well, anything can have a pagan origin. And I'm, you know, the 
through Christ who gives me strength, I'm going to overcome. And I, and if it's pure to me, it's, it's, uh, it's gotta be pure to God. And if I'm doing it for the right reasons, there can't be anything wrong with it. And I have a hard time. I have a hard time realizing how that we can make scriptural arguments for this. One of the, one of the arguments that I've heard made for it is, is Paul says one man esteems one day and another man esteems another day. That was talking about observing the Sabbath. That was not talking mm-hmm. about um, about Christmas. I heard a, about a, every old pagan festival that showed up. <laughs> I heard a, a well respected um, a, a, a guy that I that I respect um, quite quite a bit for his his knowledge and in digging into scripture and and uh, and trying to look into these things. And he loves Christmas. And it's one of these things where um, somebody mentioned here in the comments a few minutes ago that, uh, who was it, said, uh, Rebecca Hewitt, whoever you are, thanks for your comment. She said, the traditions of men have a strong hold in people's lives. And is this ever the truth? Because uh, here here we have Christians, some of them well-educated Christians that are um, making a defense for the gospel, a defense for the Bible that are making some very foolish arguments for uh, ignoring the pagan origins of Christian of, of Christmas. Sorry. Um, and so uh, his argument was, well, uh, one man esteems one, uh, one day, another man esteems all days um, or another day. And, 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 and I'm like, really, you're going to somehow loosely connect the fact that Paul says this about a biblically commanded Sabbath. And you're going to use this to, to, overturn all the times in the Bible that God says to have nothing to do with the pagan holidays and the pagan celebrations that are going on around you. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. So what Caleb's talking about is a new idea in Christianity, and that is Christianizing something. Okay. I don't, I don't think a lot of people understand how it works. I do not possess the power to Christianize anything, okay? It is up to the Lord what is his, and it is up to the Lord to identify and point out what is pagan, and he's done that. He's done it a lot, but for some reason, there's this idea in Christianity today that we can take basically anything we enjoy, and we can dress it up and call it Christian. That is the exact idea that Constantine and Theodosius had, Roman emperors that brought paganism into Christianity back in the 3rd and 4th and 5th century AD. That's the exact same idea. We don't get to, there's no way for me to Christianize Molech. Uh, There's no way to Christianize Baal. There's no way to Christianize the, the, the pagan. Uh, uh, worship of Saturn during the seven-day feast of Saturnalia. There's no way to Christianize that, okay? Well, you can just ignore it, though. Just ignore that. It's evil, and it's wicked, and that's all that it will ever be. Now, the Bible talks about this, and I put up a couple of verses, and I just want to go over these because uh, first in Colossians 2.8, it says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. And that's everybody's argument. The argument begins and ends with, well, this is the way that I've always done it. I was raised, and I hate to tell you folks, 
<clears throat> do you want to know how long I celebrated Christmas? I celebrated Christmas and had a Christmas tree all the way up till the year I got saved. And then I started looking into stuff. And I have never had a Christmas tree since that day. Okay. I have thrown a fit and 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 been the guy fighting at many churches that I've attended about Christmas trees. Okay. I said, we can't put one up in the lobby. I don't care what you've always done. It is pagan. It's an idol. It's absolutely forbidden. And I threw a fit. I mean, and, and I know I'm not a popular guy when I do that. I know I'm not making friends. Okay. But it's not about me. It's not about what I like. I like the look of a Christmas tree. Okay. They, that has nothing to do with it. It doesn't matter how much I like it. Okay. What it has to do with is not the traditions of men. It's the word of God. Okay. In Mark chapter seven, verse nine, it says, and he said unto them, full well, ye reject the commandment of God that ye may keep your own tradition. Okay. Jesus was chastising people and he was telling them, you can do one of two things, but you can't do them both. You can either keep the traditions of men, but in order to do that, you have to reject the commandment of God. And it is clear that that is not the way we're supposed to do it. We are supposed to uh, obey the Lord, follow the Bible, and worship the Lord thy God only. And we're supposed to reject everything else. But that's and, old That's Old Testament about God being a jealous God. And I mean, since Jesus, certainly he doesn't <laughs> care. Like as long as we say our prayers and bless it first, there's, he's got to have patience for us to have a few other gods. Well, right. And, and that, yeah. And that's the, I mean, it's not only crazy, it's just plain stupid. The, the idea, okay. That, you know, God in the old Testament, and God in the new Testament is somehow different. Okay. It, he's not, he's the same God. We're not polytheistic or I'm sorry. Yeah. We're not polytheistic. We don't right. worship two different gods, one from the old Testament and one from the new one. It's the same God and God hates idols then. And he hates idols now. And that is why there's no way to Christianize an idol. Now, the craziest thing about all this is I don't understand how we end up being the strange and peculiar people that God wants us to be, okay, by going along with, you know, everything that's easy and everything that the world does. You know, for some reason, we think that if we put up a nativity set in our front yard, then we are the you know, man, we are the Christian rebel living on the edge, you know, and right, just because we don't have the, the elf. System and, yeah. yeah well, you can have the big blow up elf and Santa Claus as long as you have the nativity scene to go along with it. Yeah. Or the star of David. So this is it, the, the thing that blows my mind is where Christians get so. It, it's almost like they look at you as a tinfoil conspiracy theorist. Yep. When you say something about pagan origins or pagan traditions that have been brought into the Christian church. They're like, oh, okay, here we got these kind of guys, these fundamentalists, these uh, Puritans that are trying to like clean up up and clean house. And they they look at you like you're crazy. And the thing is, is Jesus doesn't give us license to sin. Mm -hmm. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you have license to sin and going and a whoring after other gods, worshiping other gods, following their traditions is still a sin now, no different than it was in the old Testament. It's, it's, it is a, it, you can't serve two gods. You either serve mm-hmm. God or you don't serve God, but you can't serve God and also follow pagan traditions. And if we think that as a Christian, 
that we have the power because of because of the resurrection and the blood of Jesus, that we have the power that that because of verses like where it says that to the pure, all things are pure. If we think that we have the power to be able to go and participate in pagan holidays and uh, rituals and festivities, um, it's another God no different than Satan. So we might as well be able to say, well, as long as you say your prayers first, you can go and, and do witchcraft. There's nothing wrong with witchcraft. You can go Just worship the devil. Just Christianize Satan yeah. worship. Just it makes it, it literally makes bit. just as much sense. But no, no Christians would think that they'd be like, "Oh no, of course we wouldn't do that." But paganism—that's that's old school stuff. It's not happening now. Well, there are there are Wiccans in the United States that are on Christmas Day going to be singing Yule carols around a fire mm-hmm. <laughs> and a cauldron. And that you can go on their websites and you can look up their their Christmas carols, their Yule, their Yuletide greetings that they do. Can they have parties? And they'll tell you right on their website that Yule and and Christmas was originally pagan and that Christians have stolen it from them and they want to reclaim Christmas from Mm -hmm. Christians. And so a lot of Christians are on. We're saying, oh, no, we're not going to let that happen. We're not going to allow Christ to be taken out of Christmas. We're going to defend this. And it's like, hello, we should have never gotten involved in the first place. Yep. Well, and, you know, and and this isn't, I'm not going to get off on a tangent here, but the funniest thing is that what people like about Christmas is they like the time off spent with family, um, you know, eating food and, you know, being close to the people they love. And what's so funny, Caleb, is that God actually instituted seven special times of the year when we're supposed to do that. And it's all centered around him. And he tells us how to do it. And he tells us the reason for it is to teach our kids about him and who he is and the amazing things that he's done through the history of his people. And we all write that off and we're like, oh, that stuff's for the Jews. Well, that's fine. God didn't say, uh, you know, observe the Passover and Christians, you're not allowed to. Okay. Even if you want to say it's only for the Jews, that's fine. You can still do it. Okay. You can still have. Or go do something like Thanksgiving or something like that, where it's not, where it isn't stoked full of paganism. You got it. Fourth of July and Thanksgiving. (laughs) Okay. Eat your brains out. Shoot fireworks. Have family over. I mean, do whatever you want. That they're, they're all American holidays. Okay, there's so many times of the year where you could do, uh, you know, you, you could have a celebration. You could even do the ones that God outlined in the Bible, but instead, <coughs> we decide that the one, the hill that we're going to die on, is uh, defending a pagan holiday. Very true. I mean, it's, I, I know, I know uh, people that have broken off engagements over disagreements on, on Christmas because they found out that their the person they were engaged to wanted to do Christmas and they didn't or, or vice versa. It's, sure. it's amazing how much of a hill to die on that it really is. Um, it's, it's, it's a source of contention that I, I personally believe that Satan introduced this into the church um and it is there's there's plenty of other other places like this that we've taken the fall it's not just on christmas day there's there's plenty of other places where we compromise as a church and we've taken these things on but it's been introduced in and it is so we're so steeped in it that the church is now really 
the one the one entity that's really promoting the you know con the continuation of Christmas. A secular society is on the attack against anything religious, and and there is in in our society there is a a push to to get rid of anything that has any kind of religious values or, or, or merits to it at all. And Christmas is, is they've got Christmas in their crosshairs because it is looked at as a religious holiday. And, and the church is going to be responsible for carrying the torch forward. And as we get more and more radically involved in this fight to, to observe, observe this high holy day that we've established in the church, um, it's the, the folly behind it is the fact that there is not a single scripture or verse anywhere that we have to stand on. The only scriptures or verses that we have anywhere to stand on um, condemn what we're doing. And neither Patrick or I, Patrick just said, if you want to, if you want to have a feast day, if you want to gather around with your friends and your family, if you want to have a time to observe um, a holy day, something that God has put in place, those are all fine things. Neither of us would ever make an argument against against rejoicing over the birth of Jesus. In the early church, they didn't rejoice over his birth so much as his resurrection. It was, it was, the, it was him dying on the cross that was the big deal, not his birth. This really came in along with, um, with turning uh, Mary, you know, in the, in the Roman Catholic Church, turning Mary into this deity um, and this, this saint that can be prayed to or whatever that had a lot to do with with esteeming Christmas as a, you know, the, the virgin, the, the, the virgin birth of Jesus, which we believe in, um, but, but putting the emphasis on his mother and that, and that time, which um, it, it, I, I don't think that, I guess I would, I would say no different than anything else that God has made. Um, Mary was an ordinary person and thank God that she was willing to, to be the handmaid of the Lord, so to speak. Thank God that she was willing to, you know, she didn't go get an abortion like she would have nowadays, like the American woman would have. But um, no different than any other good thing that God has done or created when we start worshiping the event of the, the immaculate conception and we start setting up temples to Mary and, 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 and churches to Mary, it, it makes sense that Christmas became a little bit more um, the, the focal point as far as the, the date that we would honor or celebrate. So I don't think there's anything wrong with celebrating Jesus's birthday. Unfortunately, we don't know when it is, but if you want to celebrate the fact that Jesus was born, great. Celebrate the fact that Jesus was born, but why do it on a pagan holiday? That's what I don't get. If you want to have a feast day, fine. There's plenty of feast days to have, or just go set up a feast next, next week tonight go have a feast call all your friends and say hey let's get together and have a feast and we'll we'll sing songs about jesus and we'll celebrate his birth or whatever but why do we have to do it on this pagan day that was repurposed by the church and now we're really peddling this lie to our children you know we got santa this creepy santa we got the elf on the shelf that watches the kids and then reports to santa and tells them if he's if they're naughty or nice and we, you know he sees you when you're sleeping he knows when you're awake he, he knows if you've been good or bad so be good for goodness sake this creepy nonsense that we teach to our children we tell them that that santa santa watches them and knows if they're good or bad and jesus loves them 
and eventually they grow up and they're like, okay, enough, enough with this mythology and these lies that my parents told me, obviously Santa's is not real and Jesus doesn't love me and they move on with their life. So why, you know, why do we, why do we peddle these lies? And the problem, my problem with Chris, with Christmas isn't just the fact that we have Santa Claus in it. It's the fact that the whole thing is a fabricated lie. So much of what, what we, even the Christian Christmas carols that we sing, our church has, um, because I tend to be in charge of a lot of the, the music stuff at our church and we do Christmas caroling every year. Last year I was put in charge of collaborating with another church where we went out Christmas caroling. And so I was trying to find some songs and, and I, I was trying, I was honestly trying to find some, some Christmas songs that I felt like I could sing with a clear conscience. I mean, I was like, okay, I'm not going to go naked door to door to do the Christmas caroling. I'll leave the naked part off. It's not going to be a drunken orgy. We'll leave that part off. So I'm going to try to pretend like I can go Christmas caroling in a clear conscience. And I thumbed through the hymnals and I looked at Christmas song after Christmas song after Christmas songs. And even the Christian Christmas songs are full of lies. <laughs> it's, it's so pathetic. There, there are a few, a few ones out there that just tell the biblical account <laughs> of the birth of Jesus. And they don't say that it was on Christmas day or something. And some of the, you can find a few, but for the most part, most of what's being, being promoted by the church is prop lies and propaganda that was put in place by the Roman church way back when. And we're still doing it. The Protestant church just took it right along. We, we drank the poison with them. <sighs> All right. Well, we've been going at it for an hour and 45 minutes. I think now's as good of a time to say goodnight, everybody, and thank you for joining us. <clears throat> what do you think? Well, should we try to, to give people a, a, a recipe for how they could somehow compromise, meet in the middle, and have a, 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 a half bad Christmas, half good Christmas? Okay, so for me, no. Um, for me, the way I see it is either be hot or cold. Okay. Go the way of Jesus or go the way of paganism, but don't try to mix the two. Jesus actually talks about that in the book of revelation and says that you make him sick and he's going to throw up when you're lukewarm like that. So do one or the other be pagan or be Christian, but there is no middle of the road. Uh, so I'm telling you, you know, and, and keep in mind, don't change anything for me. Don't change anything because of anything I said. Do your own homework, read the Bible, and tell me that God is okay with uh, paganism and idolatry and all the things that go along with the Christmas celebration and look up, you know, uh, the history of it. Or, or don't. <laughs> And just keep doing what you're doing. Guess what? You'll fit in with everybody. Okay? You know, there you go. Yeah, I, I would, I would definitely a say. VIP ticket to heaven. It, it's, it's definitely worth doing a little research on the history side of it. It shouldn't be shocking to Christians that when we have a Bible that's chocked full of telling us that the whole world around, all the Gentiles around the children of Israel, were, were doing abominable things before God and God was warning them against telling them not to do it. It shouldn't surprise us that if we have a melting pot like Rome, where we have the church trying to incorporate all this, that there is bad things that somehow got brought into it. It shouldn't be, shouldn't really be surprising. The thing is, is a lot of us I've, I've, I've found are so closed off to the idea of looking at something like this with an objective mind that, um, 
well, one way to one way that I would say to research it is don't go to religious sources for starters. Don't yeah. go to your favorite um, inspirational Instagram account that has good mm-hmm. Christian quotes or your favorite uh, person that tweets stuff or, or a pastor or, or somebody that's anti-Christmas. Just go straight to historical documents and start reading about the history and go back along the chain of stuff and go on um, Wikipedia if you need to, or wherever you're going to find some of your information for starters, do some, some, some research on it. And I think that many of you will find like I did, even though I wasn't. So I, some of my ancestors were Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's Witnesses are very anti-Christmas, but Jehovah's Witnesses are also a lot of anti-biblical other things too. Crazy. And so, Crazy. Um, so I went um, from from being more uh, against being anti-Christmas, if you could say that way, and researching it. And I was like, I don't want to be. I just don't want to be the Grinch all the time and, and anti-Christmas to researching it and finding that there is plenty of troubling things that are exactly, I mean, we're, we have copied it. We haven't even, we haven't even like really reinvented it. We've just mm-hmm. taken it and stamped another label on it. Mm-hmm. And, and we just, we call it Christmas. It's not really, not really changed much. It's still the same holiday that was being celebrated back then. And it's very alarming to me that I'm so comfortable doing that, that it feels so yeah. right. Uh, something I should point out is that <clears throat> when I started down this road of researching a lot of the popular Christian holidays, I didn't want to find this information. Okay. None of this information makes my life any easier. <laughs> I would have been thrilled if I found just all these sources showing me how Christmas is it's written about in the Bible and Jesus told us to do it. And it was prophesied by Jeremiah and Ezekiel from, you know, from olden days and how wonderful that would have been great. I would have been thrilled if I found out the same thing about Easter and bunnies laying chocolate eggs was just all over the Bible. Okay. But that's not the truth. It's just not. It's not anywhere. You can't find it anywhere. Okay. So, you know, for me, I can't chew on the truth very long without it affecting me and affecting a change. I wasn't comfortable with it. A lot of people are. Well, that's fine. Then don't start doing your own homework. Uh, We had a question here and I want to get to it. It was, what's your thoughts on Christmas cards? I love Christmas cards. Um, I get them from everybody and, you know, I love the, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, you know, the pictures of families, especially, Mm -hmm. I love that there are, um, uh, Bible verses that are grossly taken out of context. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of people saying Merry Christmas. I think it's wonderful. I understand what they mean when they say it. And I think it's good that people that believe in Christmas do that. When someone says Merry Christmas to me, I tell them Merry Christmas. Okay. It's not what I do, but I'm not that guy that's going to get into an argument with everyone that tells me Merry Christmas. They, you know, I'm uh, good for you. Okay. Uh, You know, I say Happy New Year or you know, people say happy holidays and all that stuff. I don't, I don't have a problem with any of it. 
we do, um, uh, you know, uh, Christmas cards, okay? And we send them out to people. What you find is every time we do that, we find a card, okay, that doesn't say Merry Christmas. We usually make our own that we can write in, you know, whatever text we want. And we do that because we're not fans of Christmas. We send them out around the same time because that's when people get them. We've also done it where we take the picture and then we send them out with a card that says Happy New Year. So you send them out a week later. There's, you know, there's nothing wrong with sending a card to. And I send them to people who I, I know are all different faiths. Okay. And every single one of these people is thrilled to get a card from me and my family. That's a picture of my wife and I and all the kids. I mean, everybody likes those. So I've never been, you know, that guy for me. I mean, honestly, I, you know, I have trouble finding, I'm not the guy that's going to pretend Christmas doesn't exist or not acknowledge it. I mean, I know it's there. It happens every year on December 25th. I'm not going to pretend it's, you know, it doesn't exist. I'm just not going to personally have a tree or open presents that day or celebrate it really in just about any way whatsoever. I hate to tell you, here's another one. Uh, there are a lot of very entertaining Christmas movies. Okay. You know, How the Grinch Stole Christmas is, you know, is a great cartoon. And so you're going you're gonna to find all of those things. I mean, you know, they're going to make movies around every time of the year. They're also going to do it with, uh, you know, around Christmas time. So I've never been, you know, the Grinch. I just personally don't celebrate it. I do teach this stuff uh, whenever I've led a Bible study or a Sunday school class or, or now that I have a church, you know, I teach these things. To be honest with you, I'm not going to teach this lesson until after Christmas because I don't want to ruin it for everybody. The way I do it is I'm going to teach this lesson the week after Christmas so people have an entire year to get ready and figure out if they want to make a change or not. So, you know, I try to make it easy on people, except you, our wonderful podcast listening audience. So it looks like I lost Caleb. So with that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say thank you for listening. Please uh, get on uh, Spotify or Google Play and listen to this. And if you listen to us on a podcast platform, I think we're on iHeartRadio as well and a few others. You can always join us on Facebook for the live video every Friday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 8 p.m. Central. And you can find us on Facebook at hashtag BibleThumper1611. I think that's where we are. And we want to thank you for coming along. And we just want to encourage people to get into the Bible, to do your own homework. And, uh, you know, uh, with that, send us your questions. Let us know what you'd like us to talk to you about in the future. And uh, we appreciate you all. God bless. And uh, Shavua Tov. Have a great week.